Well, hello. Hope you guys are doing good. Man, I'm excited to be back up here. I don't know if you are, but I'm excited that I'm up here. Um, man, I, the, the, uh, all the pastors from the other Connection churches did such a good job. Um, I'm thankful for them. Jordan also, who stepped in and spoke, um, preached for us uh, one Sunday. I thought they did such a great job where um, we saw several salvations, just incredible things. It's really such a blessing to see um, what God has done in and through them through the years. And it's almost for some of them, it's kind of like watching your children grow up. It's just really cool to see how they've grown and matured um, over the years. And so I appreciate them, but I'm glad they're gone so that I can be back up here. Um, I really am excited. I, I didn't hardly sleep last night. I was so excited. So excited. In fact, I almost cut my throat shaving this morning. So um, if I pass out, I probably bled out, just so you know. Um, it will not stop bleeding. So anyway, um, has nothing to do with anything. But I am excited, if I haven't said that already, to be here. Um, so today, we're going to get into this series called Until Every Person Knows. If you've been around, you know this is really our vision statement, and it comes straight out of the Bible. It comes out of Habakkuk 2.14, uh, where, the, the, where God tells us that it is going to happen where the earth is filled with the knowledge of God's glory as the waters cover the sea. And so when we look at that, we know that there will be that day when the knowledge of God fills the earth. The glory of God already fills the earth, but the knowledge of his glory and the knowledge of who he is is what we're working towards. And until every person knows, we know that our job's not done. Our mission hasn't been accomplished, and so we keep going. We're going to specifically be looking at different things we do here at the church that allow us to reach people. Um, today, we're going to start with our worship gatherings, uh, things like Sunday morning, our prayer times that we do once a month, the gathering where we come together and pray and worship together. We're going to look at this and really, why do we do that? Why do we come together and do this every Sunday morning? Why do we have times where we get together and worship? And so we're going to talk about that today. I want to read a few passages of Scripture to you. Um, we're going to kind of try to flip pretty fast through these. But I want us to kind of get a general, uh, I guess, picture of what it is that God calls us to when he calls us to gather and that it is, in fact, a very biblical thing for us to come together and worship. The first one is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Flip over to 1 Corinthians, go to the left. If you hit Romans, you went too far. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. He's speaking about different gifts that are used in the church for the building up of the body. He says, tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So in the whole, when the whole church, or if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires, or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? Verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. It is just even almost assumed 
by Paul that you are coming together, gathering to worship when you come together. And he's talking about how these gifts should be used to build up the church. Look at Acts now. Keep going to the left. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Acts 20, verse 7, further on into the book of Acts, it says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. He actually preached so long, this young man fell out of a window and died. Hopefully, I don't preach that long today, right? But Paul talked on and on. Let's look at one more, and this is something we're going to really hone in on a little bit later. But John chapter 4. Look at verse 23. This is Jesus having this conversation with this woman he meets at a well, a Samaritan woman. And they're debating, should we go worship? The woman is saying we should go worship at this temple in Samaria. Jesus is saying, no, the Jews know that we worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And so Jesus answers her with this, though. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Let's pray and jump in. Father, thank you so much for today that we can open your word. Holy Spirit, would you come? Come and move in a mighty way amongst us, Lord. Help us, God. To, to, to see, have a revelation, a vision of who you are, a greater understanding of who you are. Lead us, God, into your truth. Holy Spirit, lead us into your truth. God, you told us that that's one of the functions that he would do, is lead us into truth. Would you move in a mighty way in our hearts here, right now, Lord? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, there's something in us as people that we innately want to gather, typically. Now, I'm as much of a hermit as anybody. I, I can spend time by myself, and I'm perfectly fine. But there's something about us that makes us want to gather. So think about this. What do we do around special holidays? We gather. Why are the airports and the, 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 the other ways and means of travel, the highways, the interstates, why are they so crowded around the holidays? It's not because people are planning to spend the holidays by themselves. They're going to gather. We, we innately know that special occasions are, are better together than apart. Think about when Georgia plays Florida or Georgia plays Alabama or Georgia Southern plays App State or some other team that you love is playing somebody big. What do we end up doing? We ask people, what are you doing for the game. And we're not asking that because we're expecting them to watch it by themselves. We're asking that because we know that people are going to be gathering. And for some of us, we're asking it because we haven't been invited anywhere, right? But what are you doing? What are you doing for the game? We come together, we gather. It's better together to cheer for our team. Even watching movies, it's, it's, it's better to watch it together. 
We, we learn this. We see this. It's innately in us. And the reason it's in us is because God has put it in us. He put it in our hearts that we are meant for community. We're meant to be together. We are meant to gather. Even when we look at the first church in the book of Acts, even in that first group and gathering before the Holy Spirit came, there were 120 gathered waiting on Jesus. The Holy Spirit came. They continued to gather. Acts 4.32 tells us that they were all of one accord. They would gather consistently. You go and look at Acts chapter 4. They were all of one heart, one accord. They were gathering together. Acts 5.12, as we see, they were gathering at Solomon's calling, listen, and it wasn't just from house to house. It was from house to house. But there was a large group of believers in Jerusalem from the very beginning who were gathering together for worship. Here's the interesting thing about this. Those passages we read that show us where we are called to gather for worship, those passages were written to or about churches that were being persecuted for their faith. And yet, the writer of Hebrews tells these, these readers, he says, listen, here's the thing I want you to understand. I know you're being persecuted, and because you're being persecuted, it's all the more important for you to gather. He's telling them, you, you gotta come together, not because it's a legalistic thing, but because it's what fills your heart, it's what, it's what fuels your spirit, it's what rekindles the flame inside of you. You need to gather we see it all throughout Scripture. The question I would ask, and if this was so important that persecuted churches, and even today around the world, there are people who risk their lives to gather. If this is so important, why is it so negotiable or negligible for us? Why has it become something that we're pretty flippant about? I think this is the problem. This is, this is the problem. I believe this, that we have religious ritual and lifeless legalism. We have allowed those things to diminish the church and its gatherings to a marred form of godliness without power. Religious ritual, just going through the rituals, the routine. A routine is great when it comes to school and we have some structure. But when this just becomes about showing up, we've got a problem. Religious ritual, lifeless legalism. I'm just going to do good because that's what God expects of me. But it's lifeless. It gives no energy. It gives no life. And it's diminished the church. It's diminished our gatherings to this this, this just sort of form of godliness, it looks godly, but where's the power? We've traded rejoicing for the routine. We've traded expectation for apathy. We've traded passion for half-heartedness. We've traded the miraculous for the mundane, the supernatural for the man-made. Our gatherings have become predictable, controlled, measured. There's no anticipation they become formulated. We feel like it's an algebraic equation. If we can do A plus B plus C, we'll get D. And it doesn't work that way. 
Most of what we do in gatherings today, in the United States at least, in our culture today, can be done even if God doesn't show up. No wonder when churches closed due to a pandemic for any length of time, many never came back. Why? It was just a routine. And I don't put the fault on them. They have their part of the responsibility. I put it on myself. I put it on pastors. I put it on leaders. I put it on Christians that we have somehow settled for some lame version of Christianity that is not Christianity at all. But there is a solution. I know this, I know this like I'm standing here. There's a solution to this and there's still power in the gospel. There's still power. The Holy Spirit still anoints to, to, to set prisoners free, to deliver captives, to break the yokes of bondage, to bring healing, to, to break addiction, to do all of those things. God still does these things and there is a way and there's a solution to it. And I believe we see it in John chapter four, verse 23, when Jesus says, lady, listen to me. There is a time coming and it has now come because I'm here that we will no longer worship in Samaria. We'll no longer worship in Jerusalem. We'll worship everywhere because true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And from the very beginning, God had this in mind. Truth, it, it, it means we have to replace ritual and with a revelation of why we worship and why we gather. Spirit, we have to replace lifeless legalism with life-giving experiences and encounters with God. It's in spirit and it's in truth. And we look at this, we're, we're the why of worship. If we can get the why, then the worship will happen. If we won't forget the why, if we continually have a vision and revelation of the why we worship, worship will flow from us. Because the why of worship comes from the what of God's actions. It comes from what he's done. And when we look at why we as individuals worship, when we look at why we as the body worship, they come from the same truth. God's desire has always been to gather his people. Jesus, even as he's looking at Jerusalem one day, he looks at Jerusalem and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long I've wanted to gather you to myself as a hen gathers her chicks. I've longed to bring you to myself. He says, but you refuse. You go all the way back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve dwelled with God. 